Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at the Ontario 1966 UFO sighting. That's correct, the Ontario 1966 UFO sighting. We'll also take a look at uh, former President Gerald Ford's letter that same year and see if these might not be connected somehow. Now the first article we look at comes from ipress.com. Uh, it's written by Paul Morden from Serene Observer, November 15, 2022. The title says, Documentary Examines Southwestern Ontario Boys 1966 UFO Claim. Starts off, it says, Rob Freeman was 12 in 1966 when he left a scouts meeting at Serena's St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church on a late March evening, and saw something strange in the sky. Some younger kids were playing in the street and pointed up at what they said was a helicopter flying overhead. And these kids saw the UFO, and of course, doing what so many people do, the first thing they tried to do was explain it away by thinking it was something that they were familiar with. If those same kids saw something today, they might say, oh, that's a drone. Back in 1966, the only thing that could do something like that was a helicopter, so they automatically assumed it was a helicopter. He says, I was looking at the sky and I said, kids, that's not a helicopter, Freeman said. He described seeing a bright light that didn't make a sound that moved slowly from north to south and then, in the blink of an eye, began moving north again. So we see this pattern that we see so often in these things. It was moving north to south, he said. Sounds like it was going at a steady pace, maybe a slow pace. And then in an instant, in a blink of an eye, it began moving north again. So we see this great variation in speed. Nothing like a human-made uh, machine would do. Freeman said at one point, he could see into the bottom of the object through what looked like a lens. So he's looking up at this thing doesn't say whether it was saucer-shaped or square-shaped or whatever, but he sees like a lens in the bottom of this object, and he's looking up into it. He says, I could see things moving, almost as if it was a figure or figures, he said. At this point, I was thinking, this was some otherworldly craft. Otherworldly craft. So he's looking up into this UFO through the bottom of it, what appears to be a lens. It's almost as if it's opening itself up so that he can see inside of it. And what does he see? But he sees, he's not sure if it's a figure or figures. So that tells me that he sees some sort of entity in that thing. And maybe it's just so out of place that his mind can't quite put a finger on it. And this reminds me of a story a, a cousin of mine told me years ago, an old guy he'd worked with, who never talked about UFOs, but they just got on the subject one day, and he just, he just uh, told my cousin how this craft had landed in his backyard, and he could just look at the craft, and he could see in the windows, and he could see these figures walking around. My cousin was quite, quite shocked at this perfectly honest recounting of this encounter that this old man had had from so many years before, but. 
this is something that we see sometimes in these encounters in sightings where people look into the craft and they see a figure or figures walking around or figures emerging from these craft. It's almost as if these entities or figures, whatever they are, aliens, greys, whatever, are intrinsically part of that craft. It says, Freeman said the other kids left and his mother hadn't yet arrived to pick him up. I'm getting a little nervous and I'm thinking, is this a UFO? Is this a flying saucer? Is it studying me? Is it stalking me? What's going to happen next? Is it going to take me away? Those all seem like very realistic thoughts to me. Freeman said his mother drove up and he called for her to get out of the car and look at the UFO. She reluctantly complied after telling him not to be silly, but the object was gone by the time she looked up. Freeman said his heart sank, and then he got home and told his brother and father, and everybody just kind of laughed. Feeling rejected, he went to his room to do his homework and go to bed. But arriving home from school the next day, quote, I come through the door, my mother's all excited, Freeman said. She said, Rob, Rob, what you saw last night is all over the front, of the Cernia Observer. So this story had made the paper, and they have a picture of the article here in the original newspaper, and it almost looks like a uh, saucer-type craft on its side, and you can see this uh, the circular bottom uh, almost shaped like a plant, like, like a like a like a the pot you put a plant in, and the bottom of that is just. Here it looks like, he described it as a lens, but it almost looks like a rectangular shape that looks like it was something that you would be able to peer into that craft. The headline says, Night Sky Lights Still Mystery. So this this made pretty big news. It's a balloon, it's a meteor, no, it's a UFO. Headlines in the March 29, 1966 edition of Cernia's daily newspaper included, Night Sky Lights Still Mystery, and it's a balloon, it's a meteor, no, it's a UFO. Goes on. It says others in the city and elsewhere reported seeing the same lights in the sky. It was so cool because at that moment I felt validated. Freeman said it was not my it was not my imagination. This happened. That's the way a lot of us feel. I think when some we see a, have a UFO sighting or encounter. For a lot of people, they just keep that to themselves. Maybe for years, maybe for their whole life until. They talk to somebody else who's had an encounter, and then all of a sudden they feel validated because they think, well, it wasn't just me that this happened to. And this experience that they had was intensely personal, but when they find out that somebody else had a very similar experience, then they begin they begin to understand that it, it wasn't just their experience. This is, this is a common thing that happens. Newspapers in neighboring Michigan also reported sightings that March, and the incidents earned national attention including a segment on the CBS Television News with Walter Conkright. We're going to get into some of these Michigan sightings in just a second. He says, reports in the newspaper said jets were scrambled from the U.S. Air Force Base in Michigan to investigate the light. They couldn't catch it for love or money, Freeman said. It just took off. Freeman said he and a friend climbed up a TV antenna tower to sit on his roof a few nights later and both saw a whole fleet of lights in the sky. We were just gobsmacked, Freeman said. So this uh, obviously this was multiple UFOs sighted. It was a mass sighting because you had multiple eyewitnesses in different locations see this thing. He says because of the news coverage at the time, Freeman said he was never reluctant later in life to talk about the experience. 
quote, I've never worried about being a crackpot or a tinfoil hat guy. Freeman's family later moved to London, I'm assuming they mean London, Canada, and growing, or Ontario rather, and after growing up, he had a successful career in real estate and as an entrepreneur starting a business, London Telecom, that he sold in 1999. In 2007, he co-founded biopharmaceutical company QU Bio- Biologics. A decade or so ago, he met Mark McNabb, a filmmaker now living in Toronto, who grew up in Petrolia and made several films in the Sarnia area, including 2007's Blind Eye, with the late actor and wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, Rowdy Roddy Piper, um, he's got some interesting work out there. He's a really cool guy who passed away not that long ago. Um, yeah, definitely recommend some of his stuff. Freeman said on said he was on a film set with McNabb when the subject of UFOs came up one day, so he told the story about his experience as a youngster in Sarnia. After doing some research, McNabb proposed he and Freeman work on a documentary about what he discovered is a worldwide movement of individuals seeking to make contact with other worldly visitors. Wow, now that takes it to a whole other level. And, and we find this with some people. They have this experience of encountering or seeing a UFO, and then they want to go to the next step of actually... Um, making contact with these entities. I have to say that myself, as somebody who has uh, had a close-up uh, sighting, what I guess we don't really call it a UFO encounter, although I, there was no abduction or anything like that, but being close enough to this thing, I could almost touch it. I can understand the curiosity, but I'm reluctant to be someone who reaches out thinking that these things are completely harmless. That their intentions are always good. And I think that we need to be uh, a little more careful than that. He says, It has been the adventure of a lifetime, McNabb said. He and Freeman spent the past eight years traveling the world to document efforts people have made to make contact with extraterrestrials. Once again, I think that when they just use the term extraterrestrial, that they're really uh, limiting uh, these phenomena to that one spectrum of our reality. And they could be interdimensional, I guess you would say. Maybe you would say extra-dimensional. They could be interstellar. I mean, there's lots of different places these things could be from other than, say, just another galaxy or another or another uh, star system or whatever. He says, I was fascinated with this idea of people wanting to do that. McNabb said, we've been to 16 countries now. We've been with the most incredible groups of people. We've documented everything. McNabb has been making a series of documentaries on the subjects, including one about Freeman's experience, the man who wanted to make contact. He plans to screen the Cernia in March of 2023. He says, we've had some pretty incredible experiences, Freeman said about his travels with McNabb. There's no doubt in our minds that there's something here. I find this incredibly interesting. Uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of this. Right now, it's almost as if um, a lot of the, these separate governments feel like they have a monopoly on information about the UFO phenomena. But they really don't. They probably know a little more than we do in some regards. Maybe less. 
Because, as I've said before, I think some of this stuff is going to have to be approached with emotional intelligence. So much of the data that's gathered and collected about the UFO phenomena today, uh, the people doing it are trying to use the scientific method. Perhaps they're gathering this data, they're trying to uh, quantify it, they're trying to put it in a box here or there. But I wonder sometimes if they're not trying to fit uh, an alternate reality into our reality. Are they emotionally capable of thinking of these things as big as they might be? Are they emotionally adjusted enough to know that maybe these things are just something that we'll never fully understand? It's, as they say, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's three blind men trying to uh, describe an elephant. It depends on what part of the elephant you're touching. The tail, the trunk, the foot. If you can't see or you're blindfolded, say, and you're trying to describe to somebody what an elephant is just by touching it, it's going to make a big difference on what part of that elephant you touch as far as what your perception is. And even more so with the UFO phenomenon, I mean, it's how you approach the subject. If you just approach these things strictly based on your, say, your your logistical, mathematical, intellect, whatever, you're going to have a whole lot different uh, perception of them. If you just think these things are some kind of a flying tin can, then every UFO you see is going to be a flying tin can. But if you look at this phenomena as something that could, um, something that could be observed across a wide spectrum then you begin to understand that maybe these things can appear to be lots of different things to lots of different people, and maybe even at the same time. Now, this article uh, from the FordLibraryMuseum.com, uh, you can look it up here. It shows some old copies of some, uh, re some material that, that uh, Joel Ford, it says, digitized from the box D9 of the Ford Congressional Papers, Press Secretary, and Speech Files. The first lift here says UFO enclosures. It has the Library of Congress book, the Blue Book, Air Force statements, and then it has some news releases listed. And this is all 1966 into 1967. Uh, if we go down here, it lists a few of the sightings. Here's one, April 16, 1967. It has an editorial from the New York Times. I guess their opinion really mattered back then. Uh, October 7th, 1966 news release. So that tells us that people were seeing things and the government was was really uh, being forced to respond to these sightings. July 31st, 1966, UFO sighting. May 9th, 1966, news release. April 17th, 1966, Ravenna, Ohio. There's a site not that far from Ontario. September 3rd, 1965, Exeter, New Hampshire. March 2nd, 1965, Brooksville, Florida. April 24th, 1964, Sirocco, New Mexico. February 24th, 1959, UFO or Pennsylvania. November 23rd, 1953, Kenross incident. We've talked about that here. July 19th and 20th, 26th, 27th, 1952, Washington, D.C. January 7th, 1948, the Mantell case. January, or June 24th, 1957, Mount Rainier, Washington. These are some of the big cases. And this is these, these are cases that, that, that President Ford... Uh, at, now, at the time here, 
here we have Congressman Gerald R. Ford. It says, House Republican Leader from the Office of House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford. So, of course, at that time, the Democrats uh, had control of the House Representatives, but Gerald Ford was the number one Republican. So he's a House Minority, it's a minority party leader. So, you have, like today, you have, uh, well, for a little bit yet, you'll have Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, and then the Republicans will have their guy put forward as a minority Speaker of the House. I think that is Kevin McCarthy. Same thing. So this was a position of, of, of a relative position of power. And so Ford, I mean, to his credit, was using his uh, political power to bring these this UFO uh, observations and sightings to the forefront. It says, from the office of House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford, Republican Michigan, for release on receipt March 25th, 1966. That's the same month we had these sightings in Ontario that we just talked about. Same month. Washington House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford, Republican Michigan, today proposed that Congress investigate the rash of reported sightings of unidentified flying objects in southern Michigan and other parts of the country. Now remember, they said in that article that we just read that the U.S. had scrambled jets to try to catch these things, but they were way too fast for the fighter jets to try to catch up with. Same kind of situation we're having now with, with the reports out of the Navy. And Ford said he believes a observational inquiry would be worthwhile because the American people are becoming alarmed by the UFO stories. His constituents were so upset and so agitated by all these UFO sightings that they were demanding answers. He noted that Air Force investigators have been checking on such reports for years, but have come up with nothing conclusive. Boy, here we are, what, 50, 60 years later, and we have the same thing going on. In the light of these new sightings and incidents, Ford said, it would be very, it would be a very wholesome thing for a committee of the Congress to conduct a number of hearings and to call responsible witnesses from the executive branch of the government and witnesses who say they have cited these objects. I think the American people would feel better if there was a full-blown investigation of these incidents, which some persons allege have taken place. Now that's a breath of fresh air from 1966. Look at how he's approaching it back then. He wants the actual witnesses to talk to Congress. He's not talking about getting a panel of experts together or hiring some private contractor uh, through the Pentagon. He's talking about an above-board, transparent investigation into the eyewitness accounts of what people are seeing. Then it goes on, it says... House Minority Leader Richard Ford today sent the attached letter to the chairman and the ranking Republican members of the House Committee on Armed Services and Science and Astronautics, urging that one committee or the other investigate the subject of unidentified flying objects. Ford is not satisfied with the Air Force explanation of the recent sightings in Michigan and describes the swamp gas version given by astrophysicist J. Allen Hynek as flippant. Ford has received a number of telegrams and letters from individuals anxious to see a congressional investigation of UFOs. And that's what you call a just a grounds-up 
really from the people demand for answers into this stuff. And quite frankly, 1966, it looks like they were doing a lot better job of trying to get some answers. But we see the same people resisting, in this case, the Air Force. And we talk about the deep state. This is what I really mean by the deep state. It's these appointed people that get into these positions of authority, into these vast labyrinths of departments. And a lot of these folks that work there today, it's a, it, becomes a, it becomes a generational uh, group of employees. Parents work there, grandparents work there, cousins, aunts, uncles. And it really does take on the appearance and the effect of one group of people ruling over another group of people. There's no way to seem, seemingly to get rid of it. Trump found that out the hard way. And it's just, however you, however you want to slice it, it's just bureaucracy that's been there now since, like, I think since Wilson started it shortly after World War I, 1917 or something, and it's, there's, there's no chance of it going away. And here it is 1966, 50 years later, they're trying to get answers from these people. 50 years later, this deep state has been going on long enough that this, that the minority speaker of the House, Gerald Ford, future president of the United States, is unable to get answers about the UFO phenomena. Fast forward another 56 years, and we're dealing with the same thing. It goes on and says, March 28, 1966, and then it has Representative George Miller, Chairman, Science of Astronomics Committee, Goes on, dear Chairman Miller and Rivers, this is a letter from Ford. No doubt you have noted the recent flurry of newspaper stories about unidentified flying objects, UFOs. I have taken special interest in these accounts because many of my latest reported sightings have been in my home state of Michigan. The Air Force sent a consultant astrophysicist, Dr. J. Allen Hynek of Northwestern University to Michigan to investigate the various reports, and he dismissed all of them as a product of college student pranks or swamp gas, or an impression created by the rising crescent moon and the planet Venus. I do not agree that all of these reports can be, or should be, so easily explained away because I think there may be substance to some of these reports, and because I believe the American people are entitled to a more thorough explanation than has been given them by the Air Force to date. I am proposing that either the Science and Astronautic Committee or the Armed Services Committee of the House schedule hearings on the subject of UFOs and invite testimony from both the executive branch of the government and some of the persons who claim to have seen UFOs. It's interesting that he wants to bring the executive branch of the government in. It's almost, it seems like by this point, that he's just fed up with trying to deal with the Pentagon from the executive branch. So that would be from the president's office. So he's wanting to take this right to the top. I enclose material which I think will be helpful to you in assessing the advisability of an investigation of UFOs. May I first call to your attention a column by Roscoe Drummond, published last Sunday, in which Mr. Drummond says... Maybe all of these reported sightings are whimsical, imaginary, or unreal, but we need a more credible and detached appraisal of the evidence than we are getting. Mr. Drummond goes on to state, We need to get all the data drawn together to one place 
and examined far more objectively than anyone has done so has done so far, a stable public opinion will come from a trustworthy look at the evidence, not from belittling it. The time has come for the President or Congress to name an objective and respected panel to investigate, appraise, and report on all present and future evidence about what is going on. Think about that compared to what's happening now, where you have these have these so-called investigations done in secret, and then when Congress is given a summary or report, it's page after page of blacked-out pages. I agree fully with Mr. Drummond's statements. I also suggest you scan the enclosed articles, enclosed series of six articles by by Bulkley Griffin of the Griffin Larrabee News Bureau here. In the last of his articles published last January, Mr. Griffin says... A main conclusion can be briefly stated. It is that the Air Force is misleading the public by its continuing campaign to produce and maintain belief that all sightings can be explained away as misidentification of familiar objects such as balloons, stars, and aircraft. I have just today received a number of telegrams urging a congressional investigation of UFOs. One is from retired Air Force Colonel Harold R. Brown, Ardmore, Tennessee, says, I have seen UFO. I will be available to testify. Another from Mrs. L. Davis, Eugene, Oregon, reads, Nine out of ten people want the truth of UFOs. Press your investigation to the fullest. And the letter continues on from there. I thought that was pretty cool that that letter from Ford came out back in 1966, just about the same time all these sightings happened up there in Ontario, Canada. Just food for thought. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.